You want to have a better year than you had before? Be willing to pay the price. Be willing to pay the price of commitment. Be willing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us on the Walking with Christ podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Lavender. It is our desire to see you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ as you are daily walking with Him. The new year is upon us. Have you ever wondered how the coming year can be better, more productive, more happy, or more enjoyable than the previous year? Well, today we embark on a short series that will help you get started on the road to a better year than the one you may have experienced. So without further delay, let's get right into our lesson. So not only can you have a great year by recognizing and depending upon Christ, but also by making a commitment to be a disciple. By making a commitment to be a disciple. That has two kind of aspects to it. If you're a Christian, there's an aspect to being a disciple. And if you're a non-Christian listening today, there's another aspect to being a disciple. There's a bunch of discipleship philosophy, they call it out there right now. A lot of people promoting discipling, disciple-making, discipleship, disciple-making church, disciple-making pastor, disciple-making programs, and etc. They've even got so sophisticated, they began to change up on the names. Instead of calling it disciples, they call it transformation this and transformation that. And the idea is discipleship. And then the more sophisticated academic types call it spiritual maturity and spiritual formation, etc. It's all about how do we go from becoming a convert to becoming the, f- the fully formed, fully mature Christian that God intends us to be in His Word. And so this occupies the minds of a lot of religious leaders today, a lot of Christian leaders today. So when we say making a commitment to be a disciple, first of all, if you're not a Christian, the first step to becoming a disciple is by recognizing you need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Recognizing that the spiritual hunger that you feel in your soul can only be satisfied by Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 21. In verse 21 of our text, Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says this. He says this to the rich young ruler. If thou wilt be perfect... Go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. That's the essence of discipleship. Come and follow me. But there had to be some prerequisites first. Remember, the rich young ruler claims to have you know, lived the, basically the Ten Commandments all of his life. He says, I've done these from my youth up. What lack I yet? He says, okay. And then Jesus hits him right where it counts. He hit him right in his God. Hit him right in the idol of his soul. His money. He says in verse 21, he says, If thou wilt be perfect. Now, what is Jesus saying? Is Jesus implying we can all be perfect as far as sinless perfection? No, the idea here is if you'll be mature, if you'll, if you'll get beyond this hang-up you have, and if you really desire to become perfect, to become sinless, okay, in the sense of eternal life, he says, go and sell that thou hast. Six words that were the hardest thing that man ever heard in his entire life. Go and sell that thou hast. And then, not just sell it for selling's sake, then you take the proceeds and give to the poor. That was the hardest thing that man could hear. Why? Because his whole life was wrapped up in obtaining these things. That's the implication of the text. This man was wrapped up in obtaining things and 
and, and he was materialistic. And his whole life consisted of the things that he possessed. But Jesus said a man's life consists not of the things which he possesses. See, the rich young ruler has come to Christ about eternal life, and Christ has exposed the error that is influencing this young man's thinking. Christ then answers his question with a challenge. Sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow me. This cost of commitment is more than the rich young ruler is willing to pay. Thus, it results in exposing his true heart and attitude regarding finding eternal life. He wants to dictate the spiritual game and finds out that Christ is the authority and not himself. That is why Christ concludes with the comments about the impossibility of a rich person finding eternal life. Why? Because he's addressing an error. Rich people have God's favor. Therefore, they're automatically going to go to heaven. They're automatically going to enter into paradise with God. The price of commitment is where we all falter. You know, and it's not unusual to talk about the price of commitment and people unwilling to pay uh, the price of commitment. As I read through this uh, section of God's Word and was contemplating and writing the sermon, you know, this thought came to my mind about an incident that I experienced uh, when I was in the military as a lieutenant and waiting to do some transitioning in my life. And an executive officer, a temporary executive officer at the parachute school there at Fort Benning. And so one day we were out there and uh, doing our physical training and watching the young trainees going through some of their training. And this one gentleman comes running up. And he says, I don't think I want to be here anymore. But this happened probably about a month before 9-11. And this guy comes and says, I want to quit. See what happens to a guy like that. They make it look glamorous and and to get your emotions all worked up. They don't tell you what the price of commitment is till you get into it. You realize it's early in the morning and late at night, and you're on the go, 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 and people are yelling at you. And your body's tired, and your tummy's hungry, and your hands are sore from grabbing ropes all day and, and holding on to things all day long. And in that fatigue and in that tiredness, you begin to second-guess yourself and begin to question why you're there. And so some people can't take it anymore, and so they go to their instructors and they go to whoever they think will listen and say, I don't want to be here anymore. In essence, the price of commitment, once it's realized, they're not willing to pay. You know, this was illustrated recently in a cartoon called Hagar the Horrible. Hagar is inspiring his men to battle. And then he says, this is the moment we've been waiting for, men. The moment we do battle with the enemy is everyone here, he yells. And, of course, his men shout yes back to him. And then Hagar says, okay, men, repeat after me. I'm a Viking warrior. And so the, the, all the men around him shout, all his, all his cohorts shout, I'm a Viking warrior. And then he says, and I will fight to the death for what I believe. Suddenly there's a silence from the military cohort that he's leading. Then Hagar asks, well, okay. Why aren't you repeating after me in frustration? So one Viking who becomes the spokesman for the group says, Hagar, the men would like to change that. They want to change it to, quote, and I will fight hard until it's time for dinner. Now think about what they just said there and how that relates to what we're talking about, the price of commitment. 
Many of us are willing to commit until it's time for dinner. Many of us are willing to commit until something better comes along. Many of us are willing to commit until it doesn't become fun anymore. Many of us are willing to commit to follow Christ until the commitment is more than we are interested in paying. See, there's a lot of people who run into churches. I mean, I've read stories after stories over the years. Seen it myself in churches I've been in, member of. Where people want to obtain position. But let the pastor or uh, the Sunday school superintendent or whoever's in charge of a particular group, you know, the youth pastor, whatever, put a prerequisite commitment, then that becomes more than they are willing to pay, and they quit, and they leave. That's why a lot of churches don't have worker standards anymore. Because too many people quit. They need workers. They need Sunday school teachers. They need people to sing in the choir. They need people to volunteer to be trustees and things of that nature and to usher, collect the offering and count the money. And do all. They need those volunteers. And they found if they put prerequisites for service into that, people won't volunteer. You won't have a choir very long if you tell them they got to be at soul winning visitation on Saturday. You might probably won't even have the music director either, because he's hardly ever there in most churches. Praise God, there's some churches I know that's not the case, but you know what I'm talking about. You put the price of service and price of commitment in the local church of being faithful to Sunday school and faithful to church attendance, and to be faithful in giving your tithes and offerings is a prerequisite to being considered to be a deacon or a trustee of the church. And I guarantee you, you won't have too many people who are willing to do that. They'll call you a legalist and leave. The price of commitment is more than they're willing to pay. So we have to ask ourselves, well, how do we become a more committed disciple? Well, first of all, we need to understand what the word disciple means. It's more than just being a, fo- a casual follower from a distance, just to kind of see how it goes. And if it's successful, then I'll wave the flag with everybody else of being a fan of this. And when uh, the leader goes down or internal strife whatever happens, then, you know, I'm far enough distance from it that I can kind of slip out the back door and nobody knows I'm really gone. A disciple is a follower of a person or a teaching. Now, in Jesus' case, it's both. It's based on Matthew chapter 28. Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28 and see what Jesus told his disciples to do. Matthew 28, Jesus says this in verse 18. He says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, that's the disciples after his resurrection, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So he qualifies. Teach them all things. Basically, whatever I've taught you, you teach them. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So what's God's intent for you and me? That we not only hear and get taught the things of God out of the Word of God, but then we begin to do them. We begin to live them out in our lives. The word disciple is a follower of a person or a teaching. The word disciple comes from the root word that is also part of the word discipline. If you can become a committed follower, commitment implies discipline, doesn't it? It it implies sacrifice. It, It implies doing away with. You say, well, how dare you Christians demand I give up something? Well, how dare the football play? Uh, The football team demands you give up your time and money to be on the football team. How dare the Boy Scouts demand that you be present at their meetings and participate in their program in order to earn your badges? How dare the military demand I take an oath and wear the uniform and give my life for my country just to wear the uniform and, and get the benefits of guaranteed pay? 
You see how silly commitment becomes when we want to pick and choose what we do? This is what the rich young ruler was trying to do with Jesus. Well, I'm a spiritual person. I keep the commandments. I do all the ritualistic things that my religion tells me to do. And Jesus says, okay, you're lacking. The one thing you're lacking is your materialism. Give up your money and your possessions and then follow me. The man was not willing to do that, was he? A disciple comes from the word where it means discipline. A disciple of Christ then is a Christian who has disciplined their life to follow the example and teachings of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is. A more full definition of a Christian disciple is a Christian who has disciplined themselves to conform their beliefs and their values and their ethics in a lifestyle by the authority of the Bible, by the authority of the Scriptures. And notice the wording of Jesus in Matthew 28. He says, whatsoever I have commanded you. Now, you can be a convert and not be a disciple. You've heard me say that several times. Now, that throws, I mean, all my Calvinistic friends out there I know are just like tearing their hat. Why does he keep saying that? Okay. All my discipleship guru friends out there, you know, and and professors I had in, in seminary tearing their hat. Why does he keep saying that? Because you can't be a convert to Jesus Christ and not a disciple. There's a difference. Say, well, you can't have, you can't really be a disciple then if you're not a, if you're not a a Christian, if you're not a disciple. That applies a work salvation, does it not? That implies a works kind of spirituality, does it not? Jesus doesn't place discipleship as a prerequisite to getting saved. Salvation is not based on you being a disciple. Salvation is based on you believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and asking Him to be your Savior and repenting of your self-salvation and your self-ways. Then the discipleship process happens where a mentor, a teacher, a preacher, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, somebody who led you to Christ begins to teach you the Scriptures and begins to teach you how to live. Your response should be, Amen, I'm going to do that in my life. You get taught about giving. You get taught about tithing uh, 10% of your gross income, and you do that. Amen. Hallelujah. You get taught about being a verbal witness for Jesus Christ in your life, and you say, amen, I do that. Okay? The Bible tells you to live a holy and pure life, so you get all the junk out of your life. You get all the unnecessary things out of your life as the Holy Spirit convicts you to get rid of stuff, and you willingly conform your life. And when you have that willing heart, God begins to form you and shape you and mold you to the image of Christ. We thank you for joining with us today. We hope today's broadcast has been a blessing to you. We'd love to hear your story if our podcast has made an impact in your life in some positive way. You can write us at Walking with Christ, Care of Liberty Baptist Church of El Paso, DO Box 4068, El Paso, Texas 79914. Until next time, this is Dr. Bill Lavender hoping that you have a great week and that Christ will continue to richly bless you.